Welcome to Killer Women with your host, best-selling author, Danielle Girard. And now, Danielle's next killer woman. Hello, and welcome to Killer Women Podcast, a proud member of the Authors on the Air global network with more than 4 million listeners. I am your host, suspense author Danielle Girard, and my guest today is a dear, dear, dear friend, Vanessa Lilly. Vanessa is the author of the Rhode Island set best-selling thrillers, Little Voices, and For the Best, and the creator of the Audible original co-authored best-selling series, Young Rich Widows, which was an international thriller writer's best audiobook nominee, with a sequel, Desperate Deadly Widows, forthcoming in April. Her latest book, Blood Sisters, featuring a Cherokee archaeologist, launches on Halloween 2023. Vanessa has a weekly column in the Providence Journal about life during the pandemic and hosts an Instagram live show chatting with authors the night before their book launch. Vanessa is an enrolled citizen of the Cherokee Nation of Oklahoma, living on Narragansett land in Rhode Island with her husband, third grade son, and bossy Pugapoo. Yeah, she's Say actually hi. right here. You got, oh, online. there she is. She's so sweet. I know we have a dog fest here because... Yeah. Georgie is right over there, and Teddy's. Oh, look at that babies! Oh, two babies, two babies, two babies. The doggy voice comes out. Look at the babies! <laughs> I know the little kid. I know the little kid voice. So anyway, so Blood Sisters, I love, 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 love this book. I've read it. I got to read it as she was writing it, and then I just got to devour the finished copy, which I thought it was amazing before, but it is so so phenomenal. So please, Vanessa, tell our listeners about Blood Sisters. Thank you so much. I appreciate your support, especially the early support when (laughs) you don't quite even know what you're writing. Um, So Blood Sisters is a story of Sid Walker, and she is a Cherokee woman from Northeastern Oklahoma, which um, is just like me. And um, but she's an archaeologist for the Bureau of Indian Affairs. And uh, one day, one of her old name badges is found in some remains near a crime scene she barely escaped as a girl and that calls her home and while she's there her she finds out her sister has gone missing and so she is not only looking into these remains and possible ties to an old case but she's looking for her sister um, who has a drug problem history and there's some other issues around family um, as well as community so for me, it was just an opportunity to write about the place that I'm from. I haven't lived there since I was 18 and I went away to college, but my family is still there. And, um, you know, it's obviously a place I love and wanted to write about. And there's just a lot of um, women, girls who go missing and murdered, um, which I was so grateful to be able to write about that and elevate that in whatever way I can. Um, but also the land itself, there's a real kind of environmental and social justice piece around the land in this book. Um, so I was actually really um, happy to be able to look into that and write about that too. Yeah. So, I mean, talk about the seed for the story. You've been, you know, you, I remember when you sort of started to think about wanting to do a story about a Cherokee woman and you were sort of also really wanting to get the, you know, get people to understand about these missing, you know, women and girls from reservations, which is really actually something that has been happening forever, but it feels like we're finally sort of paying attention to this and in a real way. 
um, which I appreciate, obviously. Um, but to, can you sort of go back to where it started, where Sid started, besides sort of the, your home, my Miami? I'd say it's Miami. It. Miami. It's spelled like Miami, but it's Miami, Oklahoma. So do you remember sort of where that idea started? So I think for me, I, you know, my creative brain is a crock pot. And so I kind of put things in there that I want to eventually figure out where the story is. And so I knew I wanted to write about being Cherokee because it is a part of me, but I'm also white presenting. And so you know, it's a part of me that I wanted to make sure I took the time to really reflect in the right way and to create a character who was really in my lane of experience. And so when I sat down and kind of thought about Sid Walker, I had also hoped that if I was able to explore this story from a, like a Cherokee lens, that I want, I wanted to be able to kind of lift up the missing and murdered crisis, but there's many issues within indigenous communities outside of even the Cherokee tribes um, or like the Quapaw tribe that's in this book as well that I wanted to kind of continue to like learn about and to share. So the hope was I'd create a character I could kind of follow along through mm -hmm different experiences and as I'm learning and sharing kind of it's her journey as well but I knew I needed to start in my experience and honestly I kind of wanted to just understand it more I mean it's when you grow up in a place in some ways you know it and then in some ways you don't because you see and so I wanted to go back and look at it as where I'm from as an adult right and research it as a writer and right. think about it creatively Versus, you know, and just to go a little bit into the history of the place, Northeastern Oklahoma and the town in particular in Blood Sisters is Pitcher, Oklahoma. And Pitcher, Oklahoma, in for about 60 years, starting around the 1900s, became a boom town because um, lead and zinc minerals were found in it. And that land at the time was um, Quapaw tribal land after they had been removed from kind of the Arkansas area, like their own Trail of Tears. I mean, people know of the Trail of Tears for the Cherokee, but most tribes have a Trail of Tears. And so for the yeah. Quapaw, remove them there. And so there's this piece of land, all of a sudden they find minerals in, in it. And it goes from a few thousand people to eventually over 20,000 people in this little tiny place um, because there were all of these mining companies that came in and had just carte blanche to really just do whatever they wanted to the town. Um, and so it became a billion dollar endeavor. It ended up um, providing over half the bullets for both world wars. It was the largest kind of deposit of these minerals in the world. Um, and then in like the 60s-ish, um, it kind of went bust. And that meant all of the companies have pulled out. And so all of the... Um, and what it took to pull these minerals out was they essentially dug giant caverns and tunnels under the land. And so once they pulled out of there, it filled up with water and became what the EPA would call the most toxic place in America. And so it was just completely devastating to the community that continued to live there. And right. so blood 
is set in 2008. And in 2008, there were still people there. In fact, there was a, a federal buyout, home buyout program at the point of Blood Sisters. And I said it there very intentionally because there's also a couple other really big things that happened on one weekend in particular. Um, and so, you know, the history of the place, I and going back to my point, I can't, of course I knew about Pitcher. In fact, something very unique about the place is you know, if you like Google pictures of it, they have what's called chat piles. And these are like little pieces of gravel. And there's these giant, almost mountainous um, hills full of this poison rock. And it's all over picture. It almost looks like the surface of the moon mm -hmm. or like suddenly these hills and mountains had sprung up, you know, on this flat land. But as a child, like we would play on those. Like, it, you know, I know picture and I know that you don't drink the water when you go there. And I know that the kids got called names who lived there. And, you know, it's a, it's a town with a history, but to go back as an adult and really learn about what had happened to the people who were there, to the people who resisted leaving, um, to the Quapaw tribe itself, which only very recently started getting some money back from the literally billions of dollars that were yeah. not, were taken from there. Um, it was an, ex I was just ready as a writer to kind yeah. of into that I mean it's amazing that that is like that's your personal history too right I mean I do think to your point like when we grow up somewhere we just we take it all in as we grow up so it doesn't seem but that's an I mean that's a really extraordinary and and horrible you know experience for that town and it's like what we did in the Bakken too right I mean this is what we do we you know we we find you know natural resources we you know, big companies come in and, you know, rape the land and then leave it. And then whoever is left sort of has to clean up the mess. And that is, um, it's, and but the thing I love about the way you did this in Blood Sisters is that we learn, you know, I mean, yes, we learn so much about indigenous people, about the, you know, the land that is sort of, that they're bumped off one land and put on another land. And then that sort of stolen from them as well. You know, in addition to the sort of the missing um, women, but, but it's all done in the sort of, in the way that, that I love to learn, which is that I am flipping the pages, like for the story, like for the story, because I'm rooting for Sid. I'm trying, I want to find her sister. I, you know, I, I, I love the complexity with her parents. Like it's not, you know, she and her mother have a very, you know, complicated, stressful relationship and, you know, and her dad as well. And, and her cousins, it's, this whole, it's huge community of people. And really I'm learning, I'm learning about all this stuff in a way that feels like it's like the killers of the flower moon, which, you know, is also, and that's, a, you know, much more nonfiction, but it's told in this way that you're, you get to sort of just like enjoy this incredible story. And at the same time, you recognize that there is some really bad stuff that has happened that is actually truth bay, that is truth. And um, I love that. I love it. It doesn't feel like a, you know, a one-on-one on issues or, you know, indigenous people, because I think this is, you know, for those of us who love to read stories, love to tell stories, getting the, the truth that way is, is so much more powerful for, I think, than, you know, encouraging somebody to read a long article about it, right? Because Absolutely. we become invested in the character and that is why we're vested in her story and I think that's really really powerful and that's why we're so lucky to kind of be in the thriller mystery suspense space because 
social justice and issues of justice naturally fall here, right? I mean, you're talking usually about life and death. And that's where you see the systems that are in place, right? When your child is stolen, when your beloved, your loved one is murdered, when like when those terrible things happen, you look around and you see the structures that are in place to either help or hurt you. And then you have to think about what you have to do within those systems. And you know, and at the end of the day, our job is to get the keep the pages turning. So it's a de- it's like a delicate dance, but it's one I love because yeah, I, as a reader, I'm just like you. I love learning things, but in a way that allows me to still enjoy the story and sort of figure out where I want to go. And that's for me with Blood Sisters. I hope that people, whatever they're interested in, they can just kind of they can Google it and and it'll be true. I mean, there's even a big thread on like meth in the book. Yeah, not only meth has like ravaged so many communities but yep. actually meth in 2008 in Oklahoma was changing and so like yeah. all of the kind of research around that and how laws within Oklahoma to try to stop meth production basically ran out mom and pop meth and brought in Mexico big meth yeah. and transition is in the book because it was really happening at the time it's just there's so much uh plot in real life yes yeah (laughs) but it almost makes our job easy in some way truth is stranger than fiction it's so true I mean so I I guess one of the things I wanted to ask you because you're so sort of tapped in and these issues are so important to you as they should be important to all of us right anytime people are being uh, you know subjugated and taken advantage of and, and then also of course like murdered um what is it like what do you think what is the one thing or few things you'd like us to sort of think about in how we can be involved and help, you know, these communities, the women that go missing, like what, is there a solution, Vanessa? I mean, obviously us all being more aware is helpful, but what else do we, you know, what else can we do? What do we need to know? I mean, I think a big thing is just kind of learning about your community because we're all on native land. So there are communities everywhere. And I think learning which communities you're a part of and you're near is a great step. And then linking up to them in some ways. I mean, to maybe you just go to, you know, like a a cultural event or a lecture about you know, whatever, like there's a, well, the Narragansett tribe here in Rhode Island, they have their cranberry Thanksgiving and they have, I went to a really cool, um, like workshop talking about storytelling and, um, they do different kind of basket weaving. There's just the, the craft is really interesting too. So there's like those elements that yeah. I think are enriching and important. And then from there, as you learn more about the tribes that are still around you, then you're, I think you can really plug into the work that's needed to support them. Um, Cause the missing and murdered crisis is a, it's a really big issue and elevating the messages is really important. And thanks to social media, people can share information quickly. So again, if you're getting plugged into those networks, if someone does go missing, like you probably will see it like on your Instagram feed or your Facebook feed. I do. I see feeds for people missing mama. And so it's, you know, that network is there. So like getting plugged into that, I think is really valuable, but it's also just valuable. I think from the perspective of a person wanting to be connected to the place that they live and And I can just promise you that that work feels really good. I, you know, to have a deeper understanding and, and to be around 
people who have a relationship to the land is a blessing and and a great opportunity and i and i think that if we can connect to that work in any way that it's enriching for our own lives and also you know you can support in lots of ways the different tribal communities the work that they're doing yeah well and i'm in montana so i mean god it's you know i i have a such a rich um history of you know native americans and in place here for sure so oh absolutely you got got to protest they got they got work to do out there there's a lot going on i know i know um so i want to talk about your writing um you know your journey because you really have had i mean you have had a very you know i guess every writing journey is a little bumpy but you have you know you've had a bumpier maybe than most i don't know how that's true or not but you had a really, you really had a nice um, shift in your writing career. So can you tell us a little bit about sort of how you started and, and where you are now? Yeah. So I basically in my early twenties, I realized that I missed creativity and writing very particularly. So I sort of always had a dream as a kid who wrote all the time and then just sort of left it somewhere to pick it back up. So Early 20s, I started working on a couple of different books. And it wasn't until 2019 that my debut came out. So all told, it was about 13 years of writing, querying, because the process is usually you write a book, you find an agent, and the agent sells it. So, and you know, and that process can be a really long one. You know, for me, I um knew that. I mean, I knew I was in it for the long haul, but I'm kind of glad I didn't know how long it would take because it's a, it is a long time and it's just a lot. Yeah. Like you're just really putting yourself out there. And when you're putting yourself out there, there can be this mentality of like, oh, please, please, please just love me. Just love my book. And that's just so common in yeah early, early querying days authors. Like it's just, yeah. it it it's, well, it's common. <laughs> I was through. gonna say I'm still it's not just early days no no totally no I I mean I no absolutely so that please 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 thing worked for me for a while and I got an agent and she sold my first two books um to Thomas and Mercer which is a great publisher and they have so many amazing authors and they were so kind to me and truly you know, gave me literally hundreds of thousands of readers. Like I'm so grateful to them, but at the end of the day, my books just didn't sell as well as they wanted. So what happens is you have, there's a term of run out of contract and it's like, they just didn't want any more books. So that meant that like, after, you know, those years of working and thinking, oh, wow, I have an agent and I have a publishing deal. Like, oh, my dream is here. Um, that didn't work out. And then my agent and I needed to part ways. So I basically was at square one, Mm -hmm. um, which really was terrifying, Mm -hmm. but they have that, there's a phrase the you know, dark night of the soul, which is a phrase we know as writers, because it's like our character, it's when everything has gone wrong and they have to finally realize how to move forward in the right way after doing it all wrong. Right. And you look inward And so for me, I just sort of had to think about what wasn't working. And I found it was my mentality. (laughs) It was my please, 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 that that was really holding me back. I was just begging and putting all this energy out that 
had no direction and it just wasn't working for me. And I think I needed to realign and recalibrate. And I just did. Um, I decided to kind of just go inward. I mean, well, I quit drinking. That was a big thing for me. I needed to like get my head right. I started right. sleeping better. Um, like I started spending my evenings, not just Netflix and wine, which, you know, we all do what we got to do, but I started like really getting more spiritual, mm-hmm. really doing some like it's called shadow work, which is sort of like inner child work. It's really hard and kind of awful, but it, you feel it's like a great big workout, but you feel better after. And I, you know, worked on that. And part of that work was just changing my mentality, which is like, I need to find a business partner, not me begging for an agent to tell me I'm worth it. Right. I don't need validation in that way. I need someone who views me as a business partner and agrees with this vision I had because I had this vision for this series of books, you know, and, and believes in, in me and my books. And we can have the kind of relationship that I want to see where I'm, you know, not nervous and full of anxiety and just all the things I yeah, sort of every have. time you talk, right? Like, I mean, there's this sense that the agent did you a favor by taking you on early days. And so then you feel like you're you hesitate to reach out. You hesitate to act like you don't want to be asking too much or, and that is a really, it's an unfortunate power dynamic that isn't very useful. No. And it, and it really gets you off on the wrong foot because I think in this business, we just have to have a clear point of view and that's it. And it's like, people will like it. People will not like it. That's not really your business. Your business is to know exactly what you want to communicate, find people who help you get it there, do your best to connect with people who want to talk to you in a nice way, right? Like you're excited about your work and, and, you know, and it's so, it's so okay that some readers aren't, but the point is more like, you're not there to make everyone love you. This isn't about you. It's really a work. It's something you've created. And then when you do it, it's out in the world and it's not even yours anymore. And so I just, I was really like 180 degrees away from that when I started this business. And so when I went into wanting representation for blood sisters, that's, that was my view. And I really just reached out to people. I didn't query a million people as my anxiety would normally lead me to. I really sat down and thought about who could be right for me, who would be a good business partner. I wrote an email that was business oriented, you know, and found an, agent actually um Jamie Carr at the book group who's incredible but I found her because there's a writer Angeline Booley who wrote The Firekeeper's Daughter which is a beautiful indigenous YA it was like a huge bestseller and I love that book and I thought okay what I want to align with are books like this right mm-hmm. I want I want to find out who her agent is and I'm going to query her agent because like this is the direction I want to go and I didn't know at the time that the book group was an incredible agency. I really just knew that I loved this work. And so when I reached out to um, Angeline's agent, she was, you know, swamped, whatever. And she was like, but let me hand her over to a colleague because I think this is great. So it just came in, in the spirit of me not being like, oh, please, anyone love me. It was like, no, I love this book. Yeah. I think it could be a good fit for me. And that was like you know, and so the same as when we went out to find an editor, you know, Jamie is had a great plan and it was just all about connection and just finding a person 
who was right for me. And I just knew in my heart that it wasn't about, oh, I want this publisher or that publisher. It was like, no, I want a feeling. I want a business partnership. I want a person who sees my view. I don't, it's not about me finding someone who, you know, necessarily just loves my book. Like the validation that way, if that makes sense, it was much more about finding someone who felt really aligned with where I wanted to go. So that was just so different than how I did it the first time around. And, and then you had, I mean, the book went to auctions. Tell, I mean, we almost yeah. never get to hear about that. So can you just tell people what that means? Yeah. So it ended up being that there were, I believe, five different editors who were interested in it. And so you, um, which is incredible. Incredible. And, um, I was able to chat with each of them. They all had inc wonderful visions for what they wanted to do. You know, they tell you, I kind of see it this way, maybe this pub date, maybe, you know, I told them I wanted to do a series. I wanted to make sure they were open to that. And you just kind of get a sense of each other. Um, and actually the day we went to auction, um, this is kind of a funny story, but um, the way auctions run is, um, so my editor, you just do a single bid. They just like put a number in of what they're willing to pay for it. Um, and so the, there was a timeline on it, which was noon. And so my edit, my agent was like, okay, like when the bids come in, I'm going to forward them to you. And then we're going to talk about them. And then, you know, when noon rolls around, like we'll chat and figure out what you want to do. Well, I remember this. Yeah. <laughs> I think okay. I was texting you. That's we why were, you're we were probably. all texting. Yes. Totally. Yeah. So it's like 10 AM. I'm like trying to be cool again. Like I'm in this, like trying to be in this positive zone, like bring in the good things, have the feelings about how I want to feel. It's like 10, it's 11, nothing, not a peep. And of course it's like, Oh my God, no one's going to bid on this thing. Like I've talked to these editors and it's over, but I really like, I went on a walk. I actually went to one of my favorite stores and pictured like, okay, what I wanted to buy a ring for myself. What ring do I want to buy once, uh, you know, to celebrate what I'm going to feel like when I sell this book, right? right? Like just trying to stay in that energy of like, right. like, and sure enough, what happened was all of the bids did come in and they came in five minutes before noon. <laughs> uh, you're like, this is so cruel. Right, right. Yeah, it was crazy. So that it was is crazy. But it was, I remember was, that day. So exciting. It was, it was really fun. Um. But yeah, but it was just, it was just a good sign for me that like this was kind of the energy that is best to move forward in. And like, I, you know, talk to friends all the time about that because I, I do it too, but I hear it a lot. I was just talking to a friend. She's like, do you think this is okay to send to my editor? And I was just like, that's not it. Like the energy is, this is what matters to me. We are in a business relationship this is what I'm pushing for. You know what I mean? Like there's just a yes. difference. Yeah. And, and I think as creative people, we're just, we put our heart on the page and that just makes us so vulnerable, but we almost just have to be like, all right, I got to put my business hat on now. And now I'm an advocate for myself. And now I'm going to push forward what I believe in, in a kind collaborative way. Right. Right. But not a please, please, please way. Right. Like that's yeah. a different end. I am still, like, I feel like I, I plug into this from you all the time and I'm still like, oh, please, oh, you know, so it's, so this is all part of kind of like manifesting, which, you know, Vanessa has been generous enough to sort of help me understand. And also the spirituality, which I have really picked up. I started because of you um, and, you know, the crystals and tarot and, like you said, energy into the universe and what do I want and where am I going and what's the big picture? Um, talk a little bit about like 
you know, if somebody was to sort of understand manifesting and I mean, you, you sort of talk about it in terms of like how we're supposed to, you know, the energy that we put out into the universe. But if somebody was going to start trying to change the way that they look at their position, what would you, what, what sort of, what would you I, offer them? Yeah. So I think, um, so manifestation, it does mean a lot of things to different people. For me, I think it's an emotional direction. It's not necessarily a new car. It's like asking another question, like, what is it about that new car that I want in my life? What, like, what feeling is associated? Oh, well, it's actually about like safety. It's actually about, um, feeling good when I'm driving, which there's nothing wrong with wanting to feel good. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it's about um, how much I love leather seats when they're warm, like feelings, emotions, so that you're not like, it has to be a red convertible, right? Like that's, right. that's a little, in my view, that's a little, it might be that, but I think manifesting is much more about knowing why your heart is pulled towards something. Mm -hmm. And one way that I learned that about myself, which we've just been talking about um, in text the past few days are manifestation boards. And what I love to do, just because I actually love collaging um, since I was a kid, but you just throughout the year, when you have a magazine that comes through your house, just flip through it. And if something like pulls at your heart, like, Ooh, Oh, Oh, just cut it out and put it in a folder. And then at the end of the year, pull out the things and sort of see what's still calling to you. And you can get like a poster board or you can get a journal, whatever you want to do. And I and just sort of put the things on there and like think about why you would want to bring them into your life. You can journal about it. But I think for me, I mean, we are all energy and we don't even understand what energy is. Like they just recently had this study of kind of like far, far, far out in the galaxy. And the statistic was something like, we don't see or understand like 99% of the energy and atmosphere around us. And to me, that says that there is opportunity to be more aligned on paths that will get us to where we want to go. And I'm, and I, you know, probably can't really clearly articulate why that is, but I just know that I feel it. And that when I am in a place of like being positive and being open and being receptive and not trying to control everything or anxiety ride everything, that more things do come in. And, and it's also just an exercise of taking time to like, ask yourself questions. Like, yeah, wait, why do I really want this? Cause that was a big thing for me. It's like, wait, why am I so obsessed with certain goalposts? Why am I so obsessed with certain things? Right? Like, is this really like what's in my heart or in my gut or is this outside me? Like mm-hmm. Ego, mm-hmm. right? ego, is this external actually- validation? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or exactly. I saw someone else had it now, yes. I want it, which right. is just, then it's like, that's not aligned, right? Like someone else's path does not have to be your path and yeah. it isn't your path. Mm-hmm. And so for me, manifestation is a way of sort of grounding myself too and be like, okay, like let's really talk about what matters to you and why you actually want something and yeah. making sure that it's for reasons that are really aligned with the work that I want to do and not my ego or me looking yeah. at someone else's page. <laughs> right, right. And being like, look what they have. Why can't I have that? That mm-hmm. is, and it's so healthy and it makes so much sense. And I think it comes from such a place where it, it also comes from sort of a richness philosophy, right? That it isn't like you win or I win. 
it's like we can all win. And I love that about it because you're so, you know, you're such a good, a wonderful connector to, you know, of creatives of, you know, people who love this, who love books and the business. And, and so that is, you know, and spirituality leaders and, um, and tell everybody a little bit about your incredible Rhode Island um, place. Cause I know you're doing, you've been doing, are you still doing retreats there? And it's, magical yeah, a little bit I you know it's kind of ongoing so um my, we my husband and I bought a place in South County Rhode Island um, which is just in the woods um it's made with a lot of like timber there's a post and beam style architecture there's Asian influences in the architecture the place itself just has a really calming energy and so we've done some writing retreats out there um like breathwork sessions, tarot sessions. Um, it's a beautiful space for like yoga, different things. And so my, where that came through, and I, that was another thing I've been sort of trying to manifest for years is like just wanting the feeling of having a space where people could kind of come and connect to other people. Yeah. And maybe it's a writing retreat, maybe it's a painting retreat. I've actually been talking to people about developing reader retreats where it's just people who like to read and want to like hang out and have good meals. And maybe mm -hmm. you discuss one book while you're there, maybe not. But the point is like, and certainly spiritual elements. I actually was just talking to uh, some indigenous business owners about maybe doing like a cool, like native women connector group out there. Anyway, so I just, but I needed the space and yeah. we were really lucky to be able to just do this. And um, yeah, so it's just a place that people can come and go. And I just, I love energetically having a space to be like, oh, just come stay with me, bring friends. Yes. Like that's, that, that's my, that's the energy. Like, let's have a great meal. Let's talk, let's connect. Like, let's be in the woods. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I got to go there last October. In fact, my sister joined me, um, with a writers group with you and it was really magical in fact I I think about it all the time I'm like when can I get back um Montana is so dang far from the east coast it feels like sometimes but I want to talk about so this manifestation you just recently like in the last week had some pretty amazing write-up in yes the New York Times uh, that was on so your that, board that was on my board yeah I um you know I, we get the New York Times, like the book review, Sunday book review. It's just, if you don't get the print, it's just this separate section that comes every week. And, you know, they are great about usually have, have having a mystery um, column, I think once a month. And then sometimes they'll do features and things like that on mysteries and thrillers. But we're in there for sure. But, you know, not always a lot. Mm -hmm. So like every time I would get the paper, you know, I would try, I would just think, oh, something like this, right? Like how cool would it be if, I could hold the book review and it was in there and you just don't ever know. And I had it on my, you know, manifestation board to just kind of think about it, not hold too tight, but just let it be out there. Um, and yeah. And so sure enough, um, blood sisters was reviewed, um, by Sarah Wyman in the, um, New York times in her column. Um, and so it was really cool. I got to actually hold it in my hand. Um, and it, you know, it was great. The beautiful write-up. I mean, that's, it's, and it's true. I mean, like, I think even from the, I you know, even from the very beginning of every writer's career, that is the sort of like, that is the the highest, especially like you said, because genre writers aren't generally very, you know, we're not as well presented or, you know, we're not in there nearly as much. So that was 
unbelievable and so wonderful. Um, so it's all like, it's all coming together. I, you know, you have to feel so, so wonderful. They did such a great job on this gorgeous cover. Oh, thank you. Let me see and you have the hard cover? Yeah. Yes. Uh, and I love you how they went a little like bluer. Little, mm -hmm. I know. I can't wait for my, um, your finished copy. Mm -hmm, my finished copy. But um, yeah. so tell us like now, I mean, obviously there's no rest for the weary. What, um, what are you working on? Can you tell us a little bit about your current project? Yeah, so it's a, it's a sequel and you know, Sid Walker is back in Rhode Island. Um, she's, it's gonna, it's gonna mostly be related to Narragansett land. And I think land issues, I've written a first draft, it needs a lot of work. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I really, I'm so interested in there's just such a difference between me, Cherokee, Oklahoma, my family has only been on that land, you know, for just a couple hundred years versus the Narragansett um, tribal community here have been here, as they say, from time immemorial, which is like probably, I mean, I personally believe archaeology is an interesting field. It's a field that is very narrow in perspective and Western and doesn't always acknowledge how long people have actually been here. But mm -hmm. tens of thousands of years minimum could be hundreds of thousands of years. It just depends yeah. on who's digging. But the point is they like, there's just such a difference in my view of when you've been in a place and you've, you know, done ceremony generation after generation, the dances, the medicines, the places have all been walked by your ancestors, just generation after generation. And they have a story that dates all the way back to the pilgrims, right? Like this is one of the first places that was colonized. And so there's just a lot to learn, I think, from that. And so it's been a real pleasure, you know, dipping into that world. I've been lucky to um, make some friends within the community and, yeah. you know, continue to be engaged there. So, you know, I'm, I'm excited about the project. I love writing about a place that I live and learning mm -hmm. about it and researching it. So I'm very excited to share it once it finally comes together. <laughs> well, and yeah, cause this is, I mean, Blood Sisters is the first time you've really left Rhode Island in your in your um, writing and it's fun that you're going to come back because I know how much you love where you live and um, it is such a beautiful spot so that is that's really exciting well I I have to say I mean you have to get this is coming out Halloween um, go get your copy um, it was literally today is the 26th of October when you are listening to this so you've got a few days to get to order it so that it, or get it at your bookstore so that you have it in your hot hands on Halloween a perfect thing to do if you don't have to go trick-or-treating with young children. <laughs> yeah, no <So>, joke. <laughs> <laughs> which we've done. We know about, about that. So Vanessa, tell um, listeners where to find you. I know you're active on some social media platforms and a website, that kind of stuff. Yes, please. Um, I'm always on Instagram. It's Vanessa Lily. My last name is L-I-L-L-I-E. Um, I'm also on Facebook, Vanessa Lilly author. I have a newsletter that goes out maybe once every month or every six weeks, and you can sign up for it on vanessalilly.com. And I'm going to try to put some kind of historical TikToks together, maybe a little more in November, but I am playing around with that platform a little bit. So if you're on TikTok, follow me. I, I'm not as active there as I am on Instagram, but I, I do want to get more active because I know there's just so many great communities on there. There is so lots of good book talk stuff too. And what's your handle on TikTok? 
Oh, I think it's maybe Vanessa Lily writes. I guess I better figure that out. I think that's right. <laughs> well, if you search Vanessa Lily and if you spell Lily L I L L I E as it's spelled, then you will find about will find you. Um, yes. Okay. And like I said, Vanessa and I met. Let's see. Um, VoucherCon was it? Da- it was before Dallas, wasn't it? No, I think, I think it was. Met, I think we met at Thriller Fest in 2018. Ah, maybe that. Maybe that, oh, that's right. Because um, Little Voices was out and you had that, your phone case had, yes. um, okay, I totally remember. That's totally true. So, yes, I love it's it. Like so, my both sister's phone case. <laughs> she's now showing, she had Little Voices on her phone case. Now she's got a beautiful one for Blood Sisters. I love that. Um, but, um, yes, that is exactly where we met. And um, I have, it's been, we've just become really good friends and I'm so, I'm so excited for you. I'm so proud of you for just keeping your, eye on your your goal and this is it's just the book turned out beautifully so congratulations and um everybody i know you'll love this so go grab blood sisters and thank you so much for joining us today we will yes, see you next you time guys. on killer women yes it's my pleasure i'm so happy to see you and chat with you this is great i love this community you're building it's awesome i know women thriller authors there's just no better there's no better group and thriller readers, which is, you know, what we all love, of course. So thank you for joining us. We will see you next time. Bye.